This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM from BetQL. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross and Kate Constable here with you. And now it's time to talk about the Commanders and the Cowboys. Boy, Kate, this spread continues to grow and grow. It is now Dallas minus 13 and a half with a total of 48 and a half. Uh, This is not an official trend or truth segment, but Kate, I will ask you about a trend that I saw on the old interwebs. In the past 30 years, double-digit favorites on Thanksgiving are 11-0 against the spread. Would you say that's a trend, or would you say there's some truth behind that? Huh, interesting. Uh, I would... Double digits, maybe not that aren't the Cowboys because the Cowboys are one and 11 against the spread on Thanksgiving dating back to 2011. There's another trend or what do you call it? Trend or truth? Trend or truth. Yes. It's the award-winning segment that Paul put together uh, unbeknownst to. uh, Yeah. Okay. So it didn't cover that 10. Okay. So there might be, there might be a grain of salt there, but still in the past 30 years, double digit favorites uh, do very, very well uh, covering the spread. I mean, maybe because for a lot of these teams, once you get down by double digits, it's like, okay, we're done. Let's just get on mm-hmm. with the day, do Thanksgiving. Maybe the the underdog is kind of just throws in the towel, waves the white flag at some point in the second half and just gives up. And then for the team that's winning by double digits, like they're just having fun playing football. So they continue mm-hmm. on. So I guess maybe a little bit of truth. I don't know. I don't want to base my handicapping in this game off of that trend because for that trend, there are plenty others that are would make you want to fade the Cowboys in this situation on Thanksgiving, you know? Uh, Paul, Kate just said trend or truth is a terrible segment and that we should never, ever do it again. So <laughs> that is her, not what Kate said. I, I think it's great. Wrong. I think it's a wonderful segment that don't I love doing that. every single week. Kate seems to think it's terrible, but, you know, fine, I guess. Uh, anyway. And there are competing trends because we talked about it yesterday on our show, Kate. Like the Cowboys I, have been terrible with these huge numbers, like against the spread, mm-hmm. but then like big number recently at least so yeah do you take a bit of each i don't like 32 touchdowns this is getting to four like if it's 14 i mean i'm who am i kidding at 13 and a half it's a bet on the commanders for me and it's i'm not even gonna think twice about it it'll be might probably be pretty miserable and you might need need how to (laughs) you know put up some garbage time and sneak through the back door but that's Mm -hmm. 
it's never a bet on the Cowboys at this number. Yeah, I, I, that's probably safe, even though we've seen what the Cowboys can do at home. I mean, notably the Giants game and, and you know, several others over the last couple of years. Like this Cowboys offense is more than capable of covering a massive spread, especially against a divisional opponent uh, who may have just thrown in the towel, uh, given how they performed against Tommy DeVito on Sunday. Uh, <laughs> as far as answering my own question here, though, I would be curious, uh, say, double digit favorites on Thursday night football in general. Because I do wonder how much of this is based upon, say, the Lions being bad for so long. How often were they double-digit dogs? Because they probably weren't covering a lot of those games. And so that might have a lot to do with why this is such a you know a lopsided trend. And also, too, the Cowboys in many of these seasons over the past 30 years have been really, really good. Facing really bad opponents like the Washington football team and other uh, programs like that, I suppose. So in that respect, it may be a little bit more contextual. But I do think if there is a little bit of truth in all of this, it's the fact that we do believe that this Cowboys offense is unbelievable. And if there are places to bet, uh, certainly the public's looking at CeeDee Lamb a good bit. Uh, he's 8-1 to one to score the first touchdown. Uh, it's one of the more bet-on tickets, uh, one of the more bet-on props per bet MGM. And CeeDee Lamb to score an anytime touchdown is at minus 140. And over 90.5 receiving yards. 90.5 receiving yards at minus 130. Kate, do any of those strike your fancy? Yeah. Um, I mean, I've already bet his over receiving yards. I think that's, I mean, nothing's an easy win in sports betting, but I, I mm -hmm. feel very strongly about that one. Commander's given up most receiving yards and receiving touchdowns to opposing wide receivers, second most yards per reception. Lamb has just flown over this number in four of his last five games, finished with over 100 yards in each of those games. I mean, the only time he did not surpass this was, I think it was last week against the Panthers. Is that when they played the Panthers? That's right. That's um, right. So, yeah, way yeah under. I think that this is um, – a, a good bet on CD Lamb. I would also take his um, him to his longest reception to go over 27 and a half yards. Washington's defense really, really bad. They've allowed a league high 20 passing plays of 30 yards or more this season. So given up huge yardage plays, CD Lamb's going to be the, the player that Dak is is looking to the most. So also, mm -hmm. Lamb's performed really well as of late. He has just over a yes. thousand yards on the season and 655 of those. So well over half have come since week seven. So just mm -hmm. in the past four, three, four weeks, uh, he's started to play extremely well. I think I see him having a big game tonight. Uh, so yeah, any sort of CD props you want to take, I would just look to the over on those. And I think one of the reasons why we have extolled the virtues of C.D. Lamb uh, over the last few weeks is because of opportunity. Yes, the Cowboys have had some lopsided wins lately, no doubt about it. But even when they do have massive leads, they're still passing the football a good bit. Dak Prescott is one of the higher pass rates over expected in the last several weeks. He's not handing it off to Tony Pollard even when they have a lead just about every other offense does uh, when they are comfortably ahead. They stick to the ground game, try and wind down the clock and end the game as soon as possible. That's not what the Cowboys do. I think one of the reasons for that is because not that they, they don't like Tony Pollard, they've liked him for a long time, uh, but Pollard, because of the heavier workload, perhaps they don't trust him as much. And they're trying to kind of scale back what they are requiring him to do. And assuming that's the approach, 
then that's why they're passing a good bit more uh, when just about any other team would be running when comfortably ahead. And so that's giving C.D. Lamb additional opportunities that he otherwise wouldn't have. And so I think the bigger question in terms of how to attack the C.D. Lamb prop isn't so much, are you going to go over 90 and a half receiving yards, but do you want to do an alternate receiving yard number? So I'm seeing over 100 yards at plus 104, over 110 yards at plus 146. If you want to go cray cray, over 150 yards at plus 450. Do any of those look good to you, Kate? Uh, maybe over 110. I think that one is doable. Would you say that was like plus one 140? Plus 146. Yes. 146. Yeah, I think that's a doable number. I would I would caution going any higher than that, just because if the Cowboys do mm -hmm. blow out Washington, like maybe he doesn't play. I, I know you just talked about them still throwing the ball quite a bit, Ed. But if this is a massive, massive blowout it would probably be smart just to get CD out of the game, especially because he was dealing with some sort of ankle injury uh, leading up mm -hmm. to this game. It was on the injury report earlier. People have been monitoring, monitoring his status. So that, that would be my only caution is how much is he going to contribute real late in this game if the Cowboys are up a ton, just knowing he kind of has that injury that he's been dealing with. Uh, so 110, probably where I would cap uh, taking an alt line. I'm probably around that place too, just because Jake Ferguson has also been a really important factor in terms of why this Cowboys offense has been oh so effective. I mean, you talk about Dak Prescott being phenomenal against man coverage. Well, it's not just because of CeeDee Lamb, it's because of Ferguson. And to an extent, Brandon Cooks, who's also had a monster performance over the last few weeks. And so even though CeeDee Lamb should very well get his, they also want to make sure that other targets are involved a good bit, not just for this game and winning this game and, you know, potentially demolishing, a, you know, a divisional foe. All that's great. But also, too, you want to get the other receivers comfortable for when games start to matter even more, like the Eagles game uh, in the not too distant future, things like that. You want to make sure that you're not constantly going to the same target over and over again, because eventually you can triple team him. You can do other things, bracket him to where, OK, now another receiver has to beat you. And you want to make sure that at least that connection between Dak and said target uh, can be more than comfortable. So you put all of those things together. Yeah, C.D. Lamb should be able to get to triple digits. I think that's fine. But definitely this is something where you don't want to get too nuts, uh, even though it is a Thanksgiving game. And even though everybody is going to be watching, you want to make sure to sell those Lamb jerseys. Yeah. Saw those lamb jerseys. I, I that didn't register with me for a second. I'm like, who, what lamb jerseys? CD lamb. I gotcha. Ed. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. His, the way, his last name is lamb and therefore that is correct. It is. Yes. Um, early morning here. Um, instead of taking Dallas to cover because this number up at 13 and a half quite large at this point, I'm going to look towards their team total. Um, okay. I think they could put up 30 points in this game easily. I, they beat the Giants by 32, by 40 earlier this year. Panthers by 30, uh, Pats, Pats by 30, rather, Panthers by 20. But, I mean, they're putting up massive numbers on these teams that are pretty poor. And uh, Washington's defense is not going to be able to slow this team down, especially if CD's mm -hmm. going for 100-plus yards. He's likely to have a touchdown or two. So I would play Dallas's team total to go over or the full game over because Washington's offense, I mean, as bad as the – football team as a whole is the offense isn't 
it's still sitting around league average, right? Eric Bieniemy is still the offensive coordinator. Sam Howell likes to take a bunch of deep shots. So maybe they get a kind of a backdoor score uh, late in the game and this uh, total hits over. But I think my favorite play here would just have to be Dallas's team total. I'm seeing 30 and a half uh, as far as the Cowboys team total. They've been really good at that at home, uh, getting mm-hmm. to that number uh, in you know a number of different contests. And so that is definitely one that I'm going to be backing, no doubt about it. Very good look there. Let's go to the other side of the ball, though, because we know about the Cowboys' vaunted defense. Uh, we know that Sam Howell has also taken a lot of sacks. Now, some folks have argued, well, he's gotten better at that. Well, it didn't look that great at, uh, Sunday against the Giants of all teams and I would also argue too that first off strength of competition matters a great deal in terms of how often you're taking sacks but also it's not this linear thing where you go okay well Howell didn't have that many sacks over the last couple of games therefore he's fixed the problem well he may not have fixed the problem maybe it's something where the problem is not as severe over the course of time but you can't look at a two to three game sample size and go, well, it's good. Everything's fine. Offensive line is better. He's not hanging on to the ball too long, et cetera, et cetera. No, I don't, I wouldn't go that far. I think this is still an issue here. And so in terms of the other side of the ball here, Kate, are there say Sam Howell props that you're looking into? For instance, the public thinks that uh, under 252 and a half passing yards at minus 115 uh, is a really good play. Sam Howell under 24 and a half completions at even money. That might also be a really good play. Uh, anything stand out there or maybe something defensively for the Cowboys? I would say maybe under his passing touchdowns is pretty heavily juiced at minus 175. I, I wouldn't take that. Um, mm-hmm. Passing completions, 24 and a half. I would look at the under there just knowing that he's going to have to get the ball out a lot quicker than maybe he's used to or did against the Giants last week. Like when you have Micah Parsons coming at you every snap, you're going to have to hurry things up a little bit. And so that might cause him to, um, you know, not be able to hit his targets quite as accurate as he has. 24 and a half for Howell. I feel like that is not necessarily high, but – a number that is, you could play the under on that, just knowing how dominant Dallas's defense has been, especially Howell being in a road environment. Like, Cowboys at home on Thanksgiving, that crowd is going to be insane. So, passing completions, I would play the under 24 and a half for Howell. And I think that makes sense in large part because for Howell, he's trying to chuck it deep. Uh, partially Mm -hmm. because of game script, but also too. I think it's one of the reasons why he has a sack problem is because he's not looking for the deke and dunk checkdowns. He's looking to go the distance uh, for a home run ball or an intermediate throw or something like that. And sometimes those things just aren't there. So in terms of your progressions, uh, if you don't have something safe or you don't want to go to something safe because you think you can make some kind of a throw, well, you're constantly looking down. You don't necessarily have the situational awareness to take care of someone who is, say, coming at you. Uh, And I think that has a lot to do with why uh, Howell has had the sacks and why this is something where he's probably not going to have a whole lot of completions, not to mention the fact the Cowboys defense is really, really good. Uh, Paul, you've got one prop that you want to share. You're muted. Muted, Paul. Or maybe he's... Oh, it's we beyond cannot. muting. It's a bigger muting Uh-oh. issue. Okay. Well, he, he how about... Back, there, but... there we go. Here we go. Yeah. Okay. It was within the system. I'm going to say that was not user error. But 
Uh, Logan Thomas, uh, he's so Dallas, as much as we talk about their tight ends, Jake Ferguson, very much a red zone target for the Cowboys. Uh, they have also allowed their type for the most touchdowns allowed to tight ends. Uh, Logan Thomas mm-hmm. is very much a target for Sam Howell. Eight targets last week. His floor is kind of like five, more or less. So expect him to get at least five targets. And he has eight red zone targets on the season. Three touchdowns for those eight red zone targets. Very much up there with four, plus 420 for an anytime touchdown, Logan Thomas. Okay. Might be into that. Okay. Definitely look into that one. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, Zach Wolchuk from 105.3 The Fan in Dallas gives us his Cowboys takes and analysis prior to kickoff to Cowboys and Commanders. That's right here on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross and Kate Constable here with you on this wonderful Thanksgiving holiday. Joining us now is Zach Walchuk of 105.3 The Fan in Dallas, part of the G-Bag Nation, 2 to 7 Central on weekdays. He's here to preview the commanders at the Cowboys. Zach, thank you so much for joining us. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. Let's jump right on into this game. The Cowboys, this spread has continued to grow. It's now Cowboys minus 13 and a half. Despite the movement, do you feel like that Dallas can still cover this massive number? Ooh, the the bigger it gets, the less confident I am in that. Washington does play the Cowboys strong, but I am confident, and it's just because the Cowboys are at home. They're, they're riding a 12-game home winning streak at AT&T Stadium. They average close to 40 points a game when Dak Prescott's quarterbacking them there at AT&T. Uh, they lost to Washington at the end of last year and what was a weird, ugly game that they didn't really – they were sleepwalking through that didn't matter to them in the stand. Sam Howell got his first start there. But, uh, yeah, I, I am confident. I think that this is going to be a close game, and the Cowboys will pull away in the fourth quarter. Maybe they're able to get a defensive touchdown. Maybe Deron Bland gets his fifth pick six of the season. He loves his home cooking. He got two against New England. He got the Jets. Maybe he gets another one here today. But I, I do think uh, Sam Howell keeps this thing competitive. Mainly their run defense keeps this thing competitive for Washington. But I think Dak and company, uh, they cover the spread, and they get a two-touchdown win in the fourth quarter by pulling away. Zach, the Cowboys have put up some big numbers this season, and especially against pretty bad teams. The total here, 48 and a half. It's ticked up uh, a little bit as the spread has gone up in favor of the Cowboys. Commanders, I mean, their passing attack is still decent. Um, They could put a couple points up on the board, maybe a touchdown or two. Would you look to an over in this game, either full game? Otherwise, the other way I've been looking at this is maybe a Cowboys team total. Do any of those interest you? Ooh, the Cowboys team total definitely. I think the over can hit. I think if you're Washington and you watch the way the Cowboys play, especially against Carolina, you know, their Achilles heel and they haven't proved that they can really do it is stopping the run, right? And if you're Washington, you've got a guy in Brian Robinson Jr. I like his overs and this is and yards total. Uh, I think you can run on the Cowboys. And if you don't want Sam Howell to turn the football over and get sacked a bajillion times, which he already leads the league, and that's the Cowboys' bread and butter is when they were forcing you to to pass and Micah Parsons and Tank and Dorrance Armstrong and Sam Fowler, all these guys can get after it. Just run the ball if you're Washington, and that might hurt the over from hitting. But like I said, I think you get some cheapies in the fourth from the Cowboys, and they end up covering that over. So I like the over. I like the props on Robinson, and I think the Cowboys total is also a home run pick. 
Zach, I know you're not a doctor. You just play one on the radio, but I have to ask you about C.D. Lamb. I know there was uh, some limited practicing for him on Monday because of his ankle, uh, not carrying an injury designation here uh, for the game, so he should be good to go. My question, though, is because a lot of us really love his over-receiving prop, is this something where maybe Sunday was just a fluke? The other games are more indicative of what he's capable of. And despite the fact that the Cowboys might have a massive lead, Dak will continue to target CeeDee Lamb, and maybe he can get to triple digits today. Yeah, I think last week was uh, not quite indicative of, of the CeeDee Lamb that we've seen from the majority of this year. I think Dak knows that this offense goes through him and CeeDee, and he relies on him. And you're starting to see the targets. That was always an issue being uh you know covering the cowboys here you see a stefan diggs and a justin jefferson and a tyreek hill you look up they're getting what 12 to 14 targets a game the cowboys would not make that effort to target their best player. and they've started to do that with cd lamb you got to credit mike mccarthy and the offensive staff ryan schottenheimer for really doing a lot of self-scouting during the bye week and this offense is trending upwards ever since then they're doing a lot more pre-snap motion they're getting cd on the move lining him up and this has a lot of his best work i think brandon cooks could go off today um but i, I also do think cd's props if you i mean what seven catches 90 yards i think that's very doable he's also trying to become the first cowboy to have three straight home games where he's got 10 or more catches i think that's something that he's aware of he'd like to have a big day on thanksgiving so i, I think you'll be all right if you want to hit the cd props he's healthy if this game were on sunday there would be no issue no concerns just because it's a short that's why we're a little worried about him i think everybody's dealing with injuries in the nfl at this point in the season cd's gonna gut it out uh, and he's an absolute beast and he's playing like one of the top five receivers in all of football do you think props today are any more inflated than they would be on a normal sunday just because this is thanksgiving you know there's one game on at a time everyone's eyes are going to be on on these players and they know that too so they want to go out and put on a show have you seen you know a little inflation because of that yeah absolutely and, and i think you know you're right it, it makes it more fun uh, it's the only the only games on like this is the most excited I've been for a Lions Thanksgiving Day game. I don't think uh, in my entire life I was born in 91. That was the last year they won a playoff game. So I've never been as plugged into a Lions Thanksgiving game as I will be today. I think you're 100% right. I think it's because you just have three games on there. There's no other competition at those time slots. Everybody's plugged in. Everybody wants a little piece of whatever they can get out of this. And I think the props really that's become a money maker. A lot of people, a lot of people just like to play the props. There's dangers we were talking about with the over-unders there. Makes me a little bit nervous. The the spread as the Cowboys, I mean, when, when you were able to get it at nine and a half, felt great. Cowboys are going to win this by 10. Now when it's ballooning to, ballooning to like 14 and score two touchdowns to win, a little bit nervous about that. The props are where I think you can get your most bread and butter and bang for your buck. I don't know if, say, the Dallas-Fort Worth audience feels this way, but I think from a national perspective, no doubt there's a good proportion of folks who are hearing that, okay, we're talking about the Cowboys, and they're rolling their eyes going, well, this is all fine and dandy. They could have a great regular season record, but that is a massive deficit they have in the NFC East. The Eagles, okay, yeah, maybe they don't look yeah. as good la uh, as they did last year, but they only have one blemish, and so that matters here. And Beating the Chiefs on the road, that's a big deal. So my question is, okay, why is this year different in terms of the overall quality of the Dallas Cowboys? Even if they do finish as the top wildcard team, why might they be a better contender this season than, say, last season? 
You're not going to like this answer, but it is, uh, we have no clue. There's no reason why it'll be any different right now. This is, this oh, yeah. is playing right of a Cowboy season where they're seven and three. Uh, do we know how good this team is? No, we really don't. They were a play away from beating the Eagles. That one could have gone either way. I think they match up well with the Eagles. They're never beaten San Francisco. San Francisco, they're a terrible matchup. I am very excited to see when they put Jimmy Johnson in the ring of honor on a Saturday night when Detroit comes to town, how that game fares. I feel like that could end up being a matchup maybe in the second round of the postseason, uh, depending on what Detroit's able to do. Detroit plays a style that I don't think is also good for Dallas. They dominated the line of scrimmage. They run the football really, really well. And what did I say was the Cowboys' biggest issue on defense? Teams that can line up and run the football and are willing to run the football against them. Detroit's one of those teams with Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery. Uh, you know, I, I think it, it, it's the formula is playing out to where it'll be just like last year. They get the five seed. They lose to Arizona in the regular season. So, so I, to me, I think the division's out of play. Now that Philadelphia goes and steam against Kansas City, I don't see them losing enough games to where the Cowboys can really come back and make this competitive. And the Cowboys get the rematch at AT&T Stadium, and it'd be fun to see them play in the third in the, in the playoffs for their third meeting. But, man, I, I just can't say with confidence, the, all right, they get the five seed, they go and beat New Orleans or whoever the heck comes out of that crappy division, and they put a beating on them like they did against Tampa Bay, and it's a lose-lose because it's, hey, you've you got to play. Playoff win, Dak. You played great, but you were playing against a beaten eight team. This year it'll be the same thing. You're playing against a bad New Orleans team or whoever is the AFC South winner. Then you got to go to San Fran. Then you got to go to Philly. Or then you got to go to Detroit. Can you win that game? I can't say with confidence that they will, and it'll be any different because I think Cowboys, as sad as it is to say, because this was one of the most, if not the most storied franchise in all of football. We're just starved to see a conference championship game at this point. Can they kick that door in and finally get there? Zach, uh, you mentioned that you are locked in, ready for the Lions game for the first time on Thanksgiving in quite some time. Uh, how do you see that one playing out? Laying the points with the Lion? If Lions, if so, what's uh, what's their path to victory today over the Packers? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the points. I, I went with the Packers early in the season, and the Lions just absolutely smacked them. Uh, I think Jordan Love is a guy that will give you a couple turnovers in this for Detroit, and that's ultimately going to help him out. I think they do cover the eight and a half. I think it's going to be a tremendous environment there. Uh, they've been waiting for the Lions to be relevant, too, there in Detroit. I think it's going to be a great crowd. You got Jack Harlow doing the halftime there. I'll definitely take the Lions to cover. Uh, I think the over is an interesting play. I think I'd hit the under on this because I don't know. Green able to score enough points to have the over under hit, which is now, I believe, at 47. So, I mean, I love Montgomery to score a touchdown. He scores a touchdown every single week he plays as a Detroit Lion. I don't think he's played a game and not scored a touchdown since he's been a member of the Lions. He's getting in the end zone. You can, so take the David Montgomery prop there to score a touchdown. I'll take the Lions to cover and I'll hit the under in this game. The expectations seem to be that Geno Smith will be playing for the Seahawks, uh, but they are seven-point dogs to the San Francisco 49ers. How are you playing that one? Yeah, I uh, I think the Niners have got it back rolling. You know, I was loving it. I loved watching them lose three in a row after they smacked the Cowboys around, and I was <laughs> hoping, okay, you know, is the injury bug maybe getting to them a little bit? Are we seeing them fade? But, nope, they're right back and being dominant after they beat the Jags, and I think that they get the cover uh, on the road. 
against Seattle. I mean, Seattle right now is a wounded team, too. You had Kenneth Walker leave last week. And certainly from a Cowboys lens, we've been paying it because they'll be playing them next Thursday night at home. So I, I think San Francisco can go get the cover by seven. Seattle's a sneaky team that seems to always play them tight. Uh, but I, I do think the Niners cover. I would take the under in this football game. And it seems like Brock's playing really good, safe, controlled football. And that's perfect for what their team is. Uh, and defensively, you know, I, I think that they'll be able to smother the running game a little bit of Seattle. So I, I, I like I like the Niners to roll on this one. I agree with you. I, I would lay the points with the Niners as well. But in terms of Seattle, Geno Smith being a little banged up, yeah. questionable, and if he was even going to play, like, is there any world in which a healthy Drew Locke is better than a banged up Geno Smith in this game? Oh, I don't think so. I'm just not. I, I'm not a Drew Locke believer. Geno continues to just defy all odds. I'm waiting for Geno to go back to the guy that we saw get punched in the face in New York in their locker room and a dude whose career just looked like he was about to get kicked out of the NFL. Uh, but he's fantastic. He really has. And Pete Carroll – you know, he's an old school kind of coach. Uh, he's always smacking his gum and he's super excited on the sideline. But him and Mike Tomlin, you know what those two guys do? They just win and they don't get enough credit. And they're not this new creative, sexy or, or, or quotable like a Dan Campbell is or these fun offenses like Kevin O'Connell or Sean McSacks and Kyle Shanahan and what these guys are doing out here or Ben Johnson as an offensive coordinator with the Lions. But those two guys put together winning competitive football teams and it starts defensively so to me it's less about Gino it's is Kenneth Walker healthy can they run the football uh and I know they've got those three awesome receivers with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and I love JSN Jackson Smith and Jigba I thought he was the best receiver in the draft class you had to cover him in high school so you'd think of that team but that's an old school can you run the ball can you play good defense and right now I worry about the running game a little bit Zach, you and I have uh, been watching the Cowboys on Thanksgiving uh, since we were born. So when it comes to how yeah. you celebrate Thanksgiving, when is the meal? Is it on the same day? How do you handle family and friends? What's the approach? Yeah, so we will do, I'll be going over to my parents here in about an hour. So we'll do a lunch pregame and then straight to the stadium. I'll do that. Uh, and then during the game, or my fiance is also going to go to the game. So when she gets off, she'll go join her parents for dinner. She'll grab me a plate, and then she'll bring it home for me, and I'll enjoy that as round number two or three. I mean, Jerry does job. Jerry gives us red there at AT&T Stadium for, for Thanksgiving. Everything you can imagine on your table, uh, he's got it there. So we're very spoiled there at AT&T Stadium. But, yeah, usually it's uh, it's a lunch, pre-games, and then you can kind of graze throughout. But uh, – uh, that, that's that's how we're going to rock and tweak a little bit since I've been joining the Cowboys Radio Network. But the family's awesome. They're, they're working with me on this. I actually got my sister staying with me today. So uh, it's a blast, man. It's a beautiful time of year. Tell everyone about the mac and cheese at AT&T Stadium because a oh. lot of people don't know about this secret. Like a truffle, a truffle mac and cheese, and it's kind of white. I, I don't know. I don't know what kind of cheeses they're using. Uh, it's a mix of probably about four or five. The creamy factor. Right. When you get a mac and cheese, you got to make sure one, the coverage is, but you need the creaminess of that mac and cheese and they hit it. It's on point. You know this. And I'm telling you, if anybody gets a chance to go to AT&T Stadium, if you don't get the mac and cheese and they're serving it now in this lineman burrito with brisket and jalapeno, I mean, everything's bigger in Texas. They're doing it big at AT&T Stadium, but that mac and cheese is divine. That sounds delicious. I'm not typically a mac and cheese on Thanksgiving person. I'm not sure I've ever had that. 
but um, Jerry Jones's mac and cheese is probably the the, the cream of the crop. I, I would imagine it is. that, Paul. Mm -hmm. oh, okay. <laughs> and that's just it, though. Is like you know, you know, he does it right. Like it's always top notch and luxurious, uh, luxurious, all that stuff. But I definitely, like of all the mac and cheese I've ever had, it's the one at Jerry World. It is the best one that I've ever had, and I've traveled everywhere. With you. you can vouch for me, right? <laughs> Absolutely. It's number one. It's the one seed. Absolutely. Zach Wolchuk from 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. This is QL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, we get back to our takes and preview the 49ers and the Seahawks. That's right here on the BetQL Network. Someone is stealing the music from Kate's iTunes. Welcome back to BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Ed Egros and Kate Constable here with you. And we will discuss the 49ers and Seahawks in just a bit. But first, a tweet from Ian Rappaport uh, at least caught my eye. And Kate would love to hear your thoughts about the Commanders and Coach Ron Rivera. Uh, it looks like that new ownership uh, wants to decide his fate at the end of the season. And I'm curious uh, when it comes to, you know, we've seen coordinator changes and we've seen, you know, head coaching changes uh, this season already. But I'm curious, uh, A, do you believe that uh, Ron Rivera will keep his job throughout the end of the season? Uh, and if so, what do you do about the commanders going forward? Well, I don't know why he should keep his job if you're just going to let him go at the end of the season. I know there are some teams that don't like doing in-season firings, but the Steelers were one of those. Look what they just did. Uh you're just prolonging the inevitable and in that case setting your franchise back a couple months like if you're going to move forward and, and move on from Rivera and start uh bringing in a new regime do it now at least so you can use these next next couple months for everyone to get comfortable in that new offense and hit the ground running for next season because let's be real at this point the commanders aren't going to make any noise going forward they're not making any noise in the playoffs they're probably not even going to get in the playoffs no, and I was talking about this uh, with my friend Rachel, uh, you know, yesterday in terms of like what the NHL does with, say, their general managers, where uh, she pointed out where it seems like every single year there is that one GM where the writing's on the wall and you know what's going to happen uh, to said general manager, that they're not going to be there upon the conclusion of the season. And my whole thing is, okay, if say it is obvious that a front office person or a coach knows that they're not going to be around for the next campaign, then why, why wouldn't they just do some wacky things? Like if you're a GM, why don't you make some wacky front office moves uh, knowing full well that you've got to have some hail Mary there in order to keep your job. Maybe uh, from a coaching perspective, you can do something similar and say, you know what? I know I'm done. So I'm going to have some hail Mary move uh, in just that, slight 2% chance that maybe it will all work out and I can keep my job. And sometimes those Hail Mary moves are far worse uh, for the long-term health of a franchise than it is just say getting rid of someone in season, not to mention in terms of like, I don't know, mental health. Like if you know that you're about to get fired, sometimes it's just better to have it happen instead of prolonging the inevitable, like you're saying. And I wonder if that's going to happen here where okay, we want to believe with new ownership with the commanders that they're automatically going to be better. It's probably true. Uh, but at the same time, like if you are delaying and delaying evaluations, then suddenly you are falling behind because maybe you can't get the coach you want to have. 
And maybe you can't deal with the here and the now in terms of improving your football team just for this season alone, much less the short term uh, gains that way. Yeah, that would be my concern is if you wait and fire him at the end of the season when everyone's firing their coaches and all of a sudden mm -hmm. maybe you don't get the pick that you want for, to, for your next head coach. Um, that would be a concern. And then also to your point of like doing something, if there's a GM or someone doing something wacky at, at the end, if they know they're going to be fired, I, I see that a little bit, but also that GM or coach, like that decision could follow you to your next job. So like, do you not get another look from another team? If all of a sudden you're making mm -hmm. these weird decisions that everyone across the league is kind of like, oh, well, that's odd that he did that. So that would be my only concern against, you, you know, throwing a Hail Mary, taking a long shot. It's just maybe just bow out quietly and hope that someone else will pick you up for, for next year versus doing something crazy and making a move that makes people kind of question like your legitimacy or your thought process throughout all of this. Um, mm -hmm. So that, that would be my only concern there. And how well can you explain away your decisions to, say, another right. ownership group? Like, that's also a big right. question there. So definitely understand the rationale at the same time. Like, if you know this could be your one chance uh, or else you're going to be mired in, you know, mediocre, uh, you know, pen-pushing jobs uh, for the rest of your days in a particular sport, uh, maybe it's something where you go, all right, well, you know, 2% chance that I can make this work, so I'm going to go ahead and do it. Uh, definitely it's a case-by-case -case basis still, though, Short-term, long-term health, that has to be factored in. And sometimes you have to make these evaluations and decisions rather quickly. Okay, let's talk about the 49ers and the Seahawks. And also from Ian Rappaport, it looks like that Geno Smith is expected to play in this one. Safe to say he won't be 100%, but absolutely, if the Seahawks have any chance of winning this football game, much less covering a rather large spread, then certainly Geno Smith needs to be out there. You know, that is safe to say. Uh, at the same time, 49ers are on the road to seven-point favorites with a total of 43-and-a-half. What stands out to you here, Kate? Uh, what stands out to me is that the Niners have just kind of dominated the Seahawks lately, beat them three times last year, including the wild card. It, they won by combined 46 points in those games. So this has not been an easy matchup for uh, Seattle, and I just – with the 49ers kind of getting back on track after that three-game skid, Brock Purdy looked so good last weekend. I just don't see a world mm -hmm. in which this game is is all that close. So I am I have not bet this, but I'm leaning towards the 49ers. The only thing that would really concern me a little with the Seahawks is they have a very good home field advantage. You know, that place is going to be loud, and especially on Thanksgiving in a night, uh, night game atmosphere. Like, that's going to be a very fun place to be tonight that maybe the home environment helps Seattle a little bit. Otherwise all numbers, all analytics, all stats pointing to the 49ers for me. Well, and those sevens have not moved uh, despite this Geno Smith news that uh, has been generated pretty much throughout the course of this morning. So that I find interesting that the market had believed that Geno Smith, I suppose, was playing this whole time, uh, even though there were certainly some concerns. You know, Pete Carroll voiced some optimism, all of that stuff. Uh, but say if it were Drew Locke out there, then definitely the number would have moved substantially. I think that just goes to show how much the market respects the 49ers, perhaps disrespects 
respects the Seahawks uh, in this particular matchup because the 49ers have been playing so well, because Brock Purdy has been playing so well. I made the argument this week on the program that I think Brock Purdy deserves more consideration for MVP than he probably is getting. And there probably is some value here. And I know that throughout the course of this entire season, we've been wrestling with this idea of, okay, is Brock Purdy worthy of a most valuable player honor, given that Kyle Shanahan is constantly putting him in positions to succeed? Well, my answer to that is, I still think it's okay. Because Pat Mahomes has been put in positions to succeed. He's had Andy Reid, and he's, you know, he had... Uh, you know, Tyreek Hill for a while, and he has had Travis Kelsey, who may be the GOAT in terms of tight ends. So you can look at other MVP winners and also make the case that they have been put in positions to succeed. And I think Brock Purdy is no different. Now, do I think he can sustain this level of success? I think that's a different conversation altogether. But the way he played on Sunday and the way that I am projecting him to play for the rest of the season, absolutely. I look at you know, the wide open target rate and just the regular open target rate for his receivers. And they're good. They're top 10 in football, but they're not the best. It's not like we're seeing Debo Samuel schemed up to where, you know, there, there isn't a defender within 20 yards of him. And it's just a matter of throwing it eight yards down the field to him. That's not exactly what we're seeing. That to me is a bit of an exaggeration, but in terms of what Purdy has been asked to do, Definitely, he's been playing better than Jimmy Garoppolo ever did in that system. Uh, Purdy has certainly exceeded expectations. And there's a reason why this franchise, who I think we all respect, has put Purdy as their starting quarterback. If they didn't feel like that he was that valuable or they needed to hedge the bet a certain way, I think they would have gotten rid of Trey Lance. And I think, uh, you know, it would have been more than just Sam Darnold as the backup. I think they would have done even more things. But I think this idea that the 49ers believe in him, they put him in positions to succeed, and that we've been constantly wrestling with this notion of if he can be an MVP, all of those factors coming together lead me to believe that there is value in the MVP market, and definitely he can play really, really well against the Seahawks defense. Yeah, he's done everything that's been asked of him and to a fairly elite level. He doesn't have to go out there and throw for a zillion yards every week. He has to go out there and and be the quarterback of this team in the sense that, you know, when you talk about a point guard, people are always like, well, you're the quarterback of this team. You're the one driving the the offense. You're the one leading um, the charge in, in just making the right reads and the right plays for what fits within that offensive scheme. You put Purdy in Philly or Dallas or somewhere else, he's probably not going to look the exact same or have the same success, but he knows exactly the weapons he has around him and his role within all of those. And I think that's, what's made him so successful. And to your point at like San Francisco knew early on, and they were like stood firm that Purdy was their quarterback, even in last off season when he was had that elbow injury and, you know, questionable. And if he was going to be able to start the season, they said when he comes back, he is going to be our starter, regardless of, of really when that is. So they love him 13 to one. Um, it's, it's just for him to win MVP. I don't think it's going to happen. I think there's good value in it, but I just don't see it happening because voters look a little bit more towards the stats and the flashy plays. And, and you have a guy like Jalen hurts, who's at the top of the board and Lamar Jackson, who can, you know, dual threat and use his legs and blah, 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 blah. So those ones are, those players are the ones that I think are ultimately going to 
be the the players to win this but you're right Purdy does pretty much everything else perfectly and, and kind of has all season well and when you look at key indicators like total EPA and things like that typically the MVP of the league over the last several years is either leading in that metric or in the top three of that metric and Brock Purdy is number one even though he may not be asked to do a bunch of heroic things He's still putting up a lot of points and a lot of yards, and he's doing it in high leverage spots. And the fact that just about everybody is healthy now, I think matters a great deal. And yeah, you love certain key playmakers. That matters a lot. But lots of other great quarterbacks have key playmakers as well. And to me in this MVP race, there are criticisms and cons with just about everybody. Like Jalen Hurts became the leader of the pack, after a Monday night performance where he wasn't very good. So yeah, there are lots of other guys you can point to, but it is still a crowded race. Yeah, it is. There needs to be more distinction between MVP and offensive player of the year versus MVP just being mm-hmm. a quarterback, uh, a quarterback award and offensive player being a position player, you know? That would be a, a way around exactly. this where maybe you get Purdy and Hurts. Good call. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, we will go over our favorite props for this game and monitor key line movements for Sunday's Week 12 action. That's right here on the BetQL Network.